Today on Rooted Daily, we talk about what social justice means and how Christians should approach it. Welcome to Rooted Daily, the podcast where in 10 minutes or less, each day we root you in the Bible so you can grow with God. I'm Brandon Levy, and today we're asking if Christians should be pursuing social justice. You know, just from hearing that title, you probably had some sort of gut reaction. You know, here in Bloomington, anywhere between 50 to 70 percent of our neighbors would label themselves as politically progressive. And many in this town probably see the term social justice very differently from other parts of the country. You know, the term justice has become just another front in the ongoing political and cultural war that defines our time. The world demands that we identify ourselves by the justice of our positions on racism or abortion or sexism or the environment or welfare or sexuality and on and on and on. They, They call us the generation of outrage for a reason. We judge each other by how outraged we are by the injustice of the world on a scale of one to 10. So how should Christians react? Should we pursue social justice? And if so, what does that even mean? First, let's address our reaction, because let's face it, the culture war makes us all act in some pretty uncultured ways sometimes. We should remind ourselves that while it's true that our war wages on around us, God doesn't call Christians to fight against people. The Bible calls us to put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 through 17. And we repeat those words often, and we should, because they are a vivid reminder of the state of this world. We are at war. That war is not against people. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not against bigots or racists, as some who preach social justice claim. And it's not against so-called social justice warriors or politicians, as others would tell you. No, our war is against the devil and against the sin he encourages in this fallen world. There is no room for mockery or cruelty from God's people. So we should think about the things we say about the people we disagree with, the things that we post, the things that we share about them. And we should ensure that our speech is seasoned with salt and all of our thoughts are grounded in love and forgiveness with an effort to build people up. Here's where we transition though. Yes, we should show unconditional love to everyone who we disagree with, but that does not mean we ignore injustice. Disagreeing with popular opinion is not a sin. In fact, it's often required. Our God is a God of justice, and we stand as the ambassadors of the loving Christ on earth. When we see pain, we must offer comfort. You know, I think preachers often overuse the word radical, but when you look at the generosity 
and the compassion of the early church, it's truly nothing short of radical. Barnabas sold his house to take care of others. That's not like giving spare change when you're walking down the street. And our modern minds, we try to rationalize this. When John says, if you have material possessions, you need to have a help of brother or sister when you see them in need. We say back, well, as long as they're not trying to swindle you. Paul says, give cheerfully and not under compulsion. And we say back, that means that we should only give when we're happy to part with, even if that's not hardly anything at all. Jesus said to feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, and visit the imprisoned. And we say back, okay, thanks for the suggestion. We try to rationalize uh, this radical generosity that the Bible calls us to. And as much as we want to, for our own selfish reasons, the Bible calls us to show radical compassion. As children of the just God, we must stand up for justice and we must seek to alleviate the pain that results from injustice. In that respect, I will proudly stand up as a warrior for justice because that is who Christ is. But of course, the justice God calls me to fight for doesn't always correspond with others who are carrying the banner. Many who claim to want social justice have a very different understanding than I do of what is right and wrong. If Christians must pursue justice, what does that even mean? Whose justice is actually right and whose justice is actually just? One wise proverb proved foundational for me in understanding this. In Proverbs 28.5, it says, as translated in the New King James Version, evil men do not understand justice. But those who seek the Lord understand all. We cannot understand justice on our own. It's just not possible. Only God is truly just. So we must seek him if we want to understand right from wrong. Evil men can't do it. But if we seek God, we can understand it completely. The proverb says that we will understand all. That doesn't make us smarter or more moral or more educated than others. But we can have a full understanding of justice because we seek God. Many of the the greatest thinkers throughout history, all the way up to today, failed to be able to discern justice from injustice because they tried to do it all on their own. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5 says that we are not competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Not a single one of us is sufficient on our own. And so it's a good thing that God is willing to share his competency with us. You know, just flip through cable news sometime, and this reality becomes crystal clear. We cannot figure out right from wrong. It's not, it, it's not that we don't all have opinions on this. We all have opinions, and we all think they're good opinions. Otherwise, we want to keep them. The problem is our opinions about justice don't line up. We disagree on what justice is because none of us has a perfect understanding of the world and the people living in it. Every news network sounds like it's describing an alternate reality. That's where God comes into the picture. You see, he does have a perfect understanding of this world and the people living in it. He designed all of this. He is the only one who can offer us truth because he's the only one who sees everything clearly. From his bird's eye view, he can reveal what we can't figure out on our own. So what does God say justice is? First, God says we haven't achieved it. Romans 3.10 reminds us that there is no one righteous, no, not one. Only one has ever lived a truly just life, and we look to his example alone to understand justice. 
We can spend all of our days reading the great philosophers, reading or watching human rights activists, whatever, but still misunderstand what justice is because justice is not only about actions. To truly confront injustice, we need to start with our minds. We must repent of the role we ourselves played in this unjust world and turn to standing up for righteousness. That's what the evil men, as Proverbs calls them, misunderstand about injustice. They don't understand that we have all contributed to it and we're all responsible for those unjust acts. God says to confront injustice, we have to start by looking in the mirror. Second, God says to pursue justice, our only answer is to turn to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 encourages us with the truth that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If there's one thing we can agree on, it's that this world is not how it should be. People are hurting, and that's not how it should be. That, that's not what we were created for. But unfortunately, none of us can fix it because we are the cause we can't turn to another person because we've all sinned. We've all contributed to injustice through that sin. But God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might have justice. We might become the righteousness of God. If we are truly angry at the injustice in this world that we see, we must turn to Christ. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. Christians must pursue justice and demonstrate radical compassion and generosity to those who have suffered injustice. And the only way we can do that is by turning to the only one who lived a holy, just life, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That'll do it for this episode of Rooted Daily. And I'm looking forward to sitting down and talking with you next time. Hey there, thank you for listening through this episode of Rooted Daily. We think it's so important that you grow with Christ continually, using the Word of God as your only foundation. That's why we release these episodes every weekday, so you can root yourself daily in the Bible. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app so you don't miss us. And if you think a friend would benefit from hearing this good news, hit the share button. Most importantly, if you're ready now to take the next step, repent, be baptized, and hand over your life to Jesus, shoot me an email to brandon at rooteddaily.com.